it's all about that judgment. Sort of. So, sort of, for the <laughs> most part. It's got the banner. It's generally about that judgment. Generally judgmental. <laughs> Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm actively judging how judging these comics are. But also your name is Justin. True. <laughs> All right, y'all. It's part one of this week's episodes because there were so many comics. So many comics. I do love when there's comics overload, but dang, y'all. And, and we did it a little different this time. You know, it's not based on favorites or what was the hype because i will say that the main hype is going to be in our second episode yeah new mutants will be in the second episode we focused this first one on the judgment day arc the tie-ins that we got this week what what are those issues that we're talking about first up we've got death to the mutants number one followed by x-force number 30 and x-men number 13 but first, the news. Today, we got a sneak peek at what's to come in November. Solicitations oh, really? have dropped. For post-judgment day stuff? Or? Some post-judgment day stuff. All right. Seeing what's on the other side. A ton of new covers, some details of what's to come in those issues, and a new title. A new title, you say? Sabretooth and the Exiles. Oh, yes. Well, we knew that one was coming. Sure. But it's Just still... Just maybe not when. When, right. And it's sooner than I thought. That's very exciting. It's very exciting. Midnight Suns had a comic trailer up. While not technically an ex-title, it does feature Wolverine and Magic, the two team-hopping extraordinaires uh-huh. of the X-Men universe. I mean, I'm happy for Magic to be at Wolverine status. That's I was talking about it the other day at the comic shop. Just how many issues... She's in Midnight Suns. She's in... Strange Academy. She's in New Mutants in a starring role. She's now on the X-Men team. She's in a bunch of other stuff. She's in our hearts and minds and on our comic pages. She's amazing. Let's go magic. It's the beauty of being a teleporter. You can easily be anywhere and everywhere. Seems like a perfect opportunity to get a shirt that says something like, I don't know, oh, oh, it's magic from the X-Wife podcast T public page. Boom, boom, boom. All sorts of MCU content coming out. Oh, yeah? She-Hulk premiered today. We haven't today. watched it yet. Yeah, we have not watched it. I want to. I don't know if we'll be able to watch it tonight. Listen, it's up to you and your editing decisions. Yeah. I, I, nah, I don't <laughs> you put that on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> I Am Groot is also on Disney+, Plus, which we haven't watched at all because we were on vacation. Yeah. There's like little snippets, little six-minute, couple-minute shorts cool cool fun i've heard good things that's all i got it was a slow that's news it. that's we, the news we had an episode this week it just feels like i was we were just here talking about the news and that was like curated curated news over many days i will tell you our poll oh yeah confirming the hype of the week to be new mutants new mutants as it should honestly as it should it's true i mean it was X-Men was pretty close in second place Mm -hmm. because, and and a lot of people commented on the fact that New Mutants is bringing to close a very big story for a very big character, Magic. We've been talking about it. But also, X-Men is bringing forward the new X-Men team. Mm -hmm. And a lot of hype around that, a lot of excitement to see what happens in year two. I wonder when Magic's new vibe will appear 
in the X-Men issues. Probably the next issue, I believe. You, you would hope, but She's still that, that timeline is kind of fuzzy. Yeah, that's comics, baby. Mm. 45% voted for New Mutants, 32% for X-Men. Well, that's pretty close. Yeah, and a split on Death to the Mutants and X-Force, 11% each. All right. All right. I don't know why Death to the Mutants would be your favorite, but everybody's opinion is valid. Everyone's opinion is valid. Are we ready to talk about that said title? Yeah, sure. Here's what I've got to say. I found myself in reading this week's issues. You know, we've talked before about um, crossovers and the way in which crossovers sort of dilute their story over this period of time. Yes. Right when we were, um, what was it? What was the, the Guardians of the Galaxy one? The Last Annihilation? Yes. And I was like, okay, nothing really happened in that issue. Okay, nothing really happened in that issue. I think I had a moment in reading these three issues. I enjoyed all of them. I thought they were great. I'm not belittling them by any means. But I do think there is going to be a sense of oversaturation of retelling the same thing over and over again that I'm going to feel when I'm reading them. Because I like seeing the different perspectives, but I also feel like, I want a little bit more information and a little bit less Repetition. retelling me what already happened. Sure, yeah. I definitely agree with feeling that in Death of the Mutants. There were some new elements introduced and more detail, especially if you read this before X-Men. It really sets up X-Men well. Mm-hmm. But there were also a lot of... It felt like this was for Eternal fans. Right. If, if you're not reading... If you haven't been reading the X-Books, which... What? what? <laughs> you're probably not hearing this if you're not reading the X-Books. Or you are because you're like... You're interested. Yeah. yeah. But let's dive into it. Let's get into it. First, let's talk about this cover. It really solidifies the feeling of this issue as an Eternals continuation. Mm-hmm. It's done by series artist Isad Ribic, who we kind of met at Terrificon. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can call that meeting. He someone. was there, and he signed my comic, and that was it. It was a pass off between a third party and no eye contact. No eye contact. <laughs> All right, let's dig in. Page turn noise. <laughs> Kicking us off with that title page: "Death to the Mutants." Written by Kieran Gillen, art by Guyu Villanova. Color art, Dijon Lima, rest in peace. Letters, Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. We got a question from Mendo Mutato, and I just I plugged it in here. This was the question that I forgot to write down. He was like, what is Alicia talking about when she always says VCs, Clayton Coles? <laughs> it's, it's become so much of an inside joke to ourselves that we're... So... <laughs> VCs stands for virtual calligraphy. And it's listed before the creator's names. On the title pages. And I but refuse Justin refuses to, to read it. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that just at the beginning of times, I would call it out. And then I wanted to stop calling it out, but it was so much of a thing. And I felt like, I don't want these people to feel owned by these companies, but um, I have to say it now forever. Sometimes I sing it, sometimes I say it, but it has to be done. I feel like the singing of it comes when you're annoyed by the fact that you have to do VCs. VCs. Travis Clayton Coles is usually the one. Yeah. yeah. He gets the song. 
But thank you for that, Mando. It's that yeah, was fun. That's what it is. All right, shall we dig in? Let's dig in. Speaking about a recap, welcome Eternals fans. Basically, if you haven't been reading any other title, here's a recap. I think that's odd, especially seeing as it's not named Eternals. Like, how would mm-hmm. I know if I'm an Eternals fan? How would I know that this is the book for me to skip the X books? The only other thing I could think of is if you weren't sure about Judgment Day because of the way it was labeled with Eternals books and X books or whatever, that this is sort of uh, like a guide to what Judgment Day is. It's like an offshoot that's giving you the Cliff Notes version of Judgment Day, but also sprinkling in a little bit of extra knowledge. Yeah, I mean, there is a decent amount of Eternals development in this, but it's solely focused on the Eternals. Mm-hmm. The Forgotten. Yes. And I'm glad we get the sassy computer world voice back. Mm-hmm. I do love it. I yeah. So I, many times in this issue, I was just like the machine. I do love the machine's uh, perspective. Yes, we're in Lumeria and we're planning. We have our our movie Eternals, I'll call them, and recapping what Druik's been up to as the Eternals plan their counter. Uranus's attack, the Avengers kidnapping Cersei, Celestial rebirth plans. Watch out, Fastos is angry. He's angry, but yet he calms down and agrees so quickly without her having to say a single thing. Enough, Fastos. That's all all she needs. It's basically, hey, I got a plan. I'm doing what I'm doing. Let's make a god. Okay, fine. I think he's asking. What do you need me to do? I think he's asking some pretty good questions, though, about the motivations of this group and the timeline of it all. Did they cause this to happen because of, I don't think so. I think Druig was, but did they know? Right. How much did How much did they know? Right. It is a good question. But the rest of us, time for a seance. We got to do some things to make some other things happen. Pouting off as they leave Lumeria to go to another part of Lumeria. A dark, scary, shadowlandy part. Into the depths. There's no peace, just quiet in this deep, cavernous cave that the Eternals head down into. I do think these conversations with the Deviants are really interesting because the Deviants are completely on the side of the Eternals, like helping them, and are also so aware that the it's- gods just don't care about them. It's it's like they don't care about them, but also they do care about them. I'm pretty sure that there was something revealed that the Celestials are actually here for the perseverance or for the the strength and and furthering of the Deviants and not the Eternals. Interesting. Uh, But I may be remembering that incorrectly because it also seems as though they attacked and destroyed this area. Yeah. Kind of took them out and made a bunch of ghost zombies. Great devastation. Dropping down, they're attacked all over as they pull the information they need. I love this shot. Uh, the Eternals just being all out warriors. Mm-hmm. Icarus, Thana, Sprite, they're all there. They're all doing their thing. Cersei grabbing people by the throat and holding them down to pull information from their brains. She's got this conflicting mentality. Our gods did this. The only gods we've ever known. Why would we make another? How could we not try to make a better one well it is an interesting concept too because the eternals have their rules that they follow the principles their principles and they can't unfollow them and they can't not listen to a celestial so 
why would they create one knowing that they are like they're beholden to the celestials they don't have any control over what it's gonna do they can't steer it in any direction like once it's created that's it they can only hope that they put enough goodness in it which spoiler alert by the end uh you didn't (laughs) you've created judgment day you created a monster literally hey i don't want to go back down there it's terrible yeah, I'm out, and that's good enough for me. It's just they're all coming up like they, coming out of this hole like they just seen a ghost, which they did. They did. They did. They saw they were, a number of ghosts and were attacked by them. I do like Crow's complaints, but also his plan. You know, it's valid. You get to be the heroes, and we pay the price. Mm-hmm. But let us be involved if you're if we're gonna be involved anyway. Right. If we're gonna have to take the blame for all of this, at least let us get some of the glory. Yeah. Crow has been that character popping around in the background, especially, what was that, uh, Eve of Judgment? Mm -hmm. Big role there. This by far was probably my favorite machine moment. Icarus? Hmm, I have an idea. He does. Yes, I'm surprised too. Oh. Like, I didn't know Icarus was supposedly stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, he's more of a punchy guy than a thinky guy. I see. And his idea is to recruit Gilgamesh. In the subspace tunnels, trying to get a sense of what they're walking into. Is Gilgamesh another Eternal? Yes. Okay. He was in the movie, too. I knew the name sounded familiar, but I also know Gilgamesh as a name is also like a mythological being in itself. So I was like, do I just know it from that? Or what is it from? Back in Olympia, the war room, Drug is just surprised by the devastation caused by the Hex. He's, He's actually impressed. He's happy with himself, smitten. It's interesting, too, to know that the Hex were sort of kept secret until Uranus gave them the key. Yeah. So that makes me feel like they're even more dangerous than we thought they were because they were hidden away and they're actually part of Uranus's toolbox. Yeah, his vast secret army that Druig is just playing with and not even really know. Look at this panel of the devastation on the screen. Yeah, it's not good. The sassy personality of the machine. Ugh, fine. He makes me sound like such a nerd. (laughs) I did like seeing this too, the specifics and and hearing about the strategy behind the psychic siege. The true nature of this attack is actually distraction. Somewhat of a recap of Immortal X-Men, but new details added into this issue. Mutant psychics are the big guns and we need to keep them busy. Keep them off the playing field. Mm. Interesting that they, they keep saying that. That they think the psychics are the big guns. Right. Well, you think about how everyone in eternal society is a telepath, Mm. but a low level telepath, whereas that's the sole power and almost an omega power for several of them. That's true. And when you can be resurrected, mind games are probably more threatening to you than things that could end your life. Yeah. This this was one of my favorite parts. The do you play role playing games? (laughs) RPGs? Yes, the planet Earth is both a nerd and a geek. Anyway, put it like this. Mutants do a lot more damage. Eternals have a lot more hit points. I don't play those games, so like, I wasn't 100% sure what that meant. Does that mean that the, you, the mutants can throw more at you, but the Eternals have like longer lives, essentially? Yeah, the Eternals have a, power? A, a larger health bar. Got it. That. And... The mutants' attacks do more damage. Take more off that bar. Right. Got it. So they're kind of balancing each other out, but also the mutants could be burned away just 
by repetition and the fact that the Eternals resurrect themselves yeah, very I easily. I wonder what the timeline is for an Eternals resurrection versus a mutant resurrection. Right. It's got to be an awareness of the fact that that person has died on the mutant side because the Eternals, it just seems... It's okay, like automatic. This, you're right, exactly. Back into the queue. Sign is already in the queue after they've died in... What was that? In Immortal? Yeah. No, that was Judgment Day 2. But doesn't he... I don't know. I just assumed gender for sign. She. They are she. They are she. Yes. Okay. So wouldn't she... Didn't she not go anywhere? She just sort of fell and then became alive again? So she was reborn in Olympia, in the kind of the in-between pocket universe that other people outside of Eternals can't access. So when she fell outside of Krakoa, her body is still, I, I would assume, there. Right. And then she just gets the life essence put back into. A new body created inside the machine. Not the former husk, I guess you could call it. But it's the husk looks the same. Right. Interesting. It's basically like a, you ever do creepy crawlies? Creepy crawlers? It's like easy bake oven for boys. Yeah, but okay, let's just, let's like just a mold. continue with the game play analogy, right? So Respawn like, point. When you're playing, when we play the X-Men arcade game and yep. then you die, your little body disappears and then my storm, she goes away, but then I come back a storm immediately because that's yeah. how it happens. Right. So yeah, there's no, there's probably very little waiting period, whereas... There is some. It's not, I don't, I don't have like a specific number for it, but there is some and they're not respawning where they died. They're respawning inside the machine, inside that little pocket universe. Okay. I do love slash hate Druig's confidence here. He's already calling it over, saying that they could defeat the mutants, that they'll, we'll have this easily handled. It's not going to end well for you, Druig. No. You're going to be sassy McSassass about it. I feel like it's already not going well for him. By the end of this issue, especially. Mm -hmm. By the end of this week, even more so. Into the exclusion, this giant computer that's causing the inability to travel to Eternal's city. So the sneak attack by some of the forgotten and or our movie Eternals. Mm -hmm. The strategy of finding a way for the mutants to break into Eternal society. And we meet Kalos the Destructor. And you don't get that kind of name just by doing nothing. Yeah, that's a, that's a hefty label. The high-level name as he unleashes this yellow hydra with six heads. But they've got seven people. Sprite overrides and opens the way. A panel we see later in X-Men on the bottom. Mm. This destroyed computer. And an interesting grouping of mutants coming through. Yeah, I noticed this as well. Why is Laura here? Yeah, I she don't was, know. She's not on this mission and no longer is an X-Men. And who's that? Firestar. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that should likely have been Forge, Iceman, Havoc, or Sink. Sink. Yeah. Gene, Cyclops. Nope. nope, Gene and Cyclops stay. Right. <laughs> I love Druig here. Oh, the mutants are, are, no wait, deviants. I have to call them that because I have to stick to what I said. All part of my propaganda campaign. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that we're seeing this other side of the battle, especially like I, I did see some people online that they read X-Men first. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that if you've read X-Men first and then come to this, you're not getting as much exploration into what's going on. Like this is giving you the core of what then 
influences the attack from the X-Men. Right. You almost feel like you don't need it if you've gone the other way around. That's true. But also timeline-wise, well, no, I guess at the end of X-Men, it's all taking us to the end of Judgment Day number two. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, your prophecy of, is this all happening in a 24-hour period? Maybe like three 24-hour periods. (laughs) It's just like, I like it. I like hearing the different perspectives, but I don't need to read, like, there's so many titles within it. I don't need that many perspectives. I just feel like this is the only one that's doing that to you, right? This is the first time you felt that way? I mean, yes and no. I think X-Men rehashes some of the same stuff also that happened in judgment day number two. Oh, i i would disagree i, I would think that x-men does similarly that what x-men red did and that you go a lot further into the details and that's kind of the framework it seems that karen's working with that he's giving you broad strokes in the judgment day issues and then specific and details with the individual characters played out by the writers and creators of those other titles all right, well, we'll see how much rehashing happens over the next 7 billion months. <laughs> sure. This epic mind attack, the slice into Zurus's brain, not killing him, but letting Xavier and the other telepaths have a chance to respond. This balance of action. Well, because they know if you kill him, it's pointless. Not only pointless, but it, it wastes a human life, which is the key in Icarus's mind as to what they cannot do and what right. the X-Men cannot do later on. Domo with the bad news. Uh, so the mutant telepaths are free and our attack is depleting slash retreating. Sorry. Sorry, Druig. He's getting desperate, hoping his plans will still hold. Sorry, Druig. It's not happening, bud. Something else is happening. Surprise God, Earth's new management. A fourth principle is decreed as Fastos finishes the creation. You have 24 hours to justify yourself. The most to-the-point data page I've ever seen. <laughs> A double spread of Big, bold those letters. Words. It's just the realization that he's going through the uh-oh face on Druig right mm-hmm. now. He's like, ah, well, he's crumbling right now. Obviously, we're not finished, but he is becoming desperate. And I do like that he is acknowledging that people are going to know that yeah. he's not fit for this role. And he needs to figure out a way to keep them on his side. Because if he loses their faith, he loses the his entire, momentum. It right. doesn't. The, his plan doesn't exist without everybody believing him. Because his whole thing is the mutants are deviants. And if everyone's like, mm, you know what, we don't really trust what you say anymore. How does he... How is he successful in his plan? He's, he's not. not. He's probably getting desperate enough to do something drastic, a.k.a. Uranus Part 2. Ooh. As he retreats, pulls back the hex away from Krakoa, and we acknowledge uh, Uranus wouldn't have said, let's take a beat. Mm-hmm. Druig's mask slips, and everyone knows how unsuited he is for this role, including Druig. I really do like the design of this particular hex creature kind of feels like a pterodactyl octopus. Hmm. And I'm into it. As Gilgamesh and Icarus ponder the riddle of their existence, the fact that by their very existence is a threat to human life. Them living and protecting and then dying takes life away from the people that they're serving. Mm. So what's the rule? What's the new thing that they have to say? Our last page reveal? Death to the Eternals. That's counterproductive. It just kills a bunch of humans. Yeah, well, I think he means more like... End of the Eternals. Yes. Death to the idea of the Eternals. (laughs) 
I think we've hinted into what you thought, but anything else you'd like to say about where you're at? It was my least favorite of the three. That's why it's but first. I did like seeing the eternal side of things. I do think because so many of the other books are rooted in Krakoa and because the Eternals title is itself is over yep. that having a book that gives you their side of it, because we seem to be getting more of the Avengers side or the Eternals who are on the Avengers side and the Krakoan side through the Krakoan books and the main title that I think having it, it in order to have a well-balanced story, you have to get a little bit of everybody's stuff. So yeah. I do think that it's important and maybe because this was supposed to sort of kick off Eternals fans who might not be reading the other things. Maybe that's why it felt so repetitive. But I do think this one felt pretty repetitive. Of both Judgment Day 2 and X-Men 13? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I felt like it was filling in some small cracks. Small cracks. Mm-hmm. Giving us a full view of the Eternal side of the story. We've had most of this information in other issues, but not from this perspective or, or not fully explored. And again, it was a good setup for the X-Men issue that follows and brought together a lot of the points that had been previously introduced. Because if you think about it, you know, juggling all this narrative, juggling these three teams, not everybody has, you know, in-depth conversations with other people about these different pieces building. So seeing it a second time helps to reinforce that. That's true. I think though, if I hadn't read this, I wouldn't be confused or feel like I was missing anything going forward. Right. We just wouldn't know exactly the plan that Icarus and Franz did. Right. Right. We would just right. know that they contacted the X-Men or they were working with the X-Men to do this side. Mm-hmm. Are you happy to see Druig faltering? Um, yes and no. I am because drama, stakes, cool story, roller coasters of emotions. But I do wonder... You know, I keep thinking we're so early in the story for these sorts of things to be happening. What does that what does that lead us to? And I guess it leads us to that our bigger threat is actually this god that is being created and not so much Druig. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The fact that the big bang is coming. And mm-hmm. I think Kieran's alluded to that. You know, I think our first opening salvo of the destruction of Arako, mm-hmm. all the war outside of Krakoa, that was the first point, and he's talked about how the second point hypes it up a notch. Wise guy 731701 wants to know our thoughts on the pacing of Judgment Day so far. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. Mm. Well, what do you think? I think in comparison to other sweeping Marvel events, mm-hmm. this is doing a really good and interesting job to take the core title as broad strokes and the individual's titles to do specifics and character beats, right? So this is so much more resonant to the characters in the same way that X-Men Red and Immortal X-Men were so much more connected to those character stories versus introducing the broad points in Judgment Day. I would agree that this felt like it didn't move the meter forward Mm -hmm. as much as a lot of the other issues did. Yes, like I feel like X-Men moves things forward. Sure, in a very similar way to this though, you know, you see the other side of the coin. They are two halves of one story happening this week. I I hear that to be true as you're saying it now, but I didn't read it that way. Like, I don't know if it has something to do with 
the lack of connection I have to the Eternals or the amount of dialogue versus action and and visual storytelling that this book had versus X-Men. But I, I got that they were happening in the same time frame with where they both ended. But I didn't necessarily think that they were two sides of the same story. I thought these were kind of two separate things. Like the mission that the X-Men go on is not ne- – like I didn't realize it was directly related to this. Right. And I think the, the two key visual cues are the destruction of that machine – that they sneak in and they allow the X-Men in. So you'll see that panel in X-Men 13. But I thought they went like underwater and like magic was in both places with different people. Yep. Okay. So we took a pause for a second because I was feeling really confused and I wanted to be able to have an articulate conversation about this without being super flustered. So essentially, and now I'm going to repeat this back to you and then you say to me, yes, that's correct, Alicia, or no, that's not correct, Alicia. Great. Okay. So in Death to the Mutants, this mission situation that Icarus is doing with the X-Men is exactly the same mission that is happening in the X-Men issue. Just from, However, yep. they're told from two different sides. Yes. However, there's an error or some kind of issue in this art in yes. Death to the Mutants because wolverine should not be in there correct and that is why i was so confused because i was like how can these two things be happening and also i think there's another slight error where it seems like magic is teleporting them but well i guess not i was gonna say something about how they had to go like down underwater or something but so they're teleporting from that place yep to where where icarus is now in this issue yes Okay, and so the artists or the error or whatever that continuity thing that happened somewhere along the line, no fault to whoever, but it happened. It happened, and we kind of brushed over it quicker than I was intending to when we were talking about the issue. Got it. The fact that Wolverine should not have been in that shot. Right. I really thought we were just kind of saying she shouldn't be there because she's not on the team and no. not necessarily because this is a direct reference that's a, to the that's other issue. That's a blatant error for her to be there. So if anyone else was as confused as me, hopefully that helped you and didn't confuse you more. <laughs> but no promises. So anyway, the pacing of Judgment Day so far. Does this at least, And then that conversation helps clear up what I was saying about, yes, they are kind of, you're, you're getting 60% of the coin in each issue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlap. Yes. And I think that that's interesting, but... And pacing-wise right now, it feels good, but my concern is it's August, so we literally have three months of this kind of storytelling happening with, I wonder how much non-Judgment Day storytelling is happening. Like, will that be, will that feel like an oversaturation of Judgment Day over the course of that time? Potentially. I think probably. I mean, so next week we only have one issue that's Judgment Day related. Okay, then then maybe that will feel like a little bit more breathing room. Right. You know, but that's my only concern. I think getting a lot of perspectives of the story is actually one of my favorite ways to read a story. Yeah, well, especially the fact that, you know, we compared it at the beginning to The Last Annihilation. Mm -hmm. Some of those pieces had nothing to do with the main story. Right. Very little, but were really more vehicles to introduce what's going on with this character. This isn't doing that. This is saying what's going on with this character relative to this event. It's at least deeply rooted in what's going on mm-hmm. in this fight. Yes. 
Eric Huffman is basically on the same page. He thought there would be more story reveals here, but it felt kind of like filler or, or a familiar story, just different perspective from the Eternals. Fine, but not into them, to be honest. Right. I think Eric and I are on the same page. And I'd agree to, a, to a, an extent. Right. And I think where I'm coming from is I've been wronged by events before. And for an event, this has done no grievances. Mm-hmm. And you read the Eternals, so you feel and a little I read bit more Eternals. connected right. to yeah. it. Yeah, right. I, I binge read the whole internal arc, so I have some fondness for that story. Right. And I care about their perspective probably a little bit more than an X fan coming in at first read. Right. Now on to something that has absolutely nothing to do with Judgment Day. That is not true, Justin. It has stuff to do, okay? It's called create a distraction so the people stop thinking about the fact that resurrection is exposed are you serious a hundred percent i guess yeah I, I see what you're saying i like it let's I'm into talk it. about x-force x-force number 30 deadpool he's back chaos and calamity on this cover as our newest members break through i like this cover except for one part what i am unsure what is going on with sage and beast here she's getting a piggyback ride yeah. Is she attacking him? Is she hugging him? I think she's like falling over. I hear what you're saying. It's odd. Structurally, I I well, don't get it. Well, Deadpool's like kind of on Domino and Wolverine's shoulders. So it's like he jumped through the gate and startled everyone. Yes, maybe. But he seems like he's doing, you know, like... A, Surfer guy. Like team skiing. Yeah. You know? Making a pyramid. She looks like she's like Beast. hopping on his back for a piggyback ride. Yeah. Let's get into it. Page turn noise. Wolverine's got words. We've been in here before. The gruff knucklehead with his choice statements for our towering tree. But he's really lashing out now. The snicks and snacks of his claws. Yeah, and I feel like he shouldn't be blaming Krakoa. Like, no, yes, Krakoa was the one being controlled by uh, Cerebrax at that moment. Sure. But it's not Krakoa's fault. Oh, I think it's more rooted in what Percy has been doing in some other issues of his two titles. In that Wolverine has an extreme distrust of what Krakoa's motivations are. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it seems like they are being impacted negatively by some choices that Krakoa is making without their knowledge. Right. And I think that that will, in the long run... Wolverine will have some ground to stand on in that with everything that's been going on with Krakoa and Doug and Warlock. And sure. There's something going on there that not everybody is privy to, for sure. Yeah. I do like seeing how impacted Wolverine is by the disappearance of Quentin until he lets loose and cuts down the big tree. Well, Quentin is now one of Wolverine's little girls. Yes, <laughs> it's very true. You know, like he has the expanded most... from just mentoring females yeah. now. <laughs> well, he, he, Quentin is the most reluctant protege that Wolverine has taken on. Yes. And he finally made progress and then he just disappears. Right. Yeah, he was finally breaking through. He was like, hey, life sucks. Stop being a crybaby. Pick yourself up and get over it. As he then gets distracted and reveals state secrets to Surfing Girl. Oh, let gosh, it go, Justin. You are never going to let it go. Hey, bud. Hope that helped with your rage, cotton down the tree. But just so you know, Krakoa is literally everywhere, and that did absolutely nothing. 
all the faces and all the trees. Look at all the, the so the first page, Krakoa the tree is kind of smirking, smiling. Mm-hmm. And then in the third page, all of the trees are frowning at him. All of the trees are like, grumpy gusses, you ruined one of us. How dare you, Wolverine? And also, that's not the big Krakoa in the no. Quiet Council chamber, so... Well, why would Wolverine be there? Right, you know? but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, you had to know, Wolverine, that that's not the hub. This, I feel like, is the tree that Wolverine specifically has talked to a couple of times in both Wolverine, the title, and X-Force previously. So he feels a connection to this tree. He thinks this is, this is his Wolverine tree. But it's not, and you just destroyed it. So how does that make you feel, Wolfie? He feels like he believes in Charles, but he can't believe in all of this. At least he's one person that still seems to believe in Charles because everybody else doesn't. No. Hey, it's a title page. Splintered. The Hunt for X, part one. Dawn of the Hunt. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Robert Gill. Colors by Guru EFX. Letters, Joe Caramagna. This is Joe Caramagna. Let's get into Craven's hunt. Ooh, I did not know that this was Craven until we got to the point where he said something about being Craven. <laughs> and technically, and I looked this up, so Warlion pointed out this is actually Craven's clone son. Oh, interesting. Craven the Hunter, as we know him historically through Spider-Man comics, actually died, I think in 2019. Now you say as we know him from Spider-Man comics, but me, Alicia, knows him from the Wastelanders podcast. That's the only way you know him? I mean, I've heard his name before, but I didn't, I have yet to experience any stories with him in them. Gotcha. Oh. Aside from that. Craven is a a classic Spider-Man villain, and he will be coming to the big screen soon enough. Oh. But let's talk about this hunt. I think it's really cool to get into the mindset of Craven. I think it's great. If he could just not eat raw seal insides, nah. that would be great. Yeah. Also. And I just, I really, I, I actually said it to Robert Gill when I met him that the way he draws water mm. just really feels like it has a character to it. Yes. I'd agree at the same with the way he draws snow. Yeah. A hundred percent. These snowbanks feel alive. Yeah. The environments are great. The art is really great. I like the layouts a lot too. And I really think that Ben Percy is enjoying what he's doing with being able to write Craven like this. Mm-hmm. He said when we interviewed him how much he likes Craven and loved writing him for the podcast. That's the Wastelanders Star Lord podcast, yes. if you're curious. I didn't come here to rest. I came here to stab seals and use them as bait. For a giant bear. Hearing him speak of his philosophy in hunting and killing, it it just what it means to him that it's his ultimate focus. Mm-hmm. I, I love how strategic he is and just how much this means to the core of his character. And I also like his reference to really how he has this purpose, but he utilizes every element of the things he's hunting. He's not just hunting the whole for buffalo. He's using the whole buffalo, folks. This bear is terrifying, though. I love it. I love the scratches, too, mm-hmm. as he towers over. He's been through it. Yeah. he's Craven is here for bigger game. I do like, too, that the bear looks like the way that it's paws, like it steps into the snow. It looks as though it is like of the snow. Yeah. You know, it comes out of the snow. It's the king of this environment, the apex predator. <laughs> Graven hiding in the snow is probably it's my so favorite. Great. The pop-up close detail and the personal kill as he comes out of the snow. Ah, oh, there's so much great action in this. Mm-hmm. But wait a second. 
Why is there a Deadpool head? Deadpool's head is in here. Uh, more for that later. It's like the unexpected prize at the bottom of the cereal box. I did really love the way this issue, the story Split was... Split story? Th- yeah. Threaded, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I was not expecting it either as we... No, me either. I was very confused to then go to Deadpool being here and I was like, all right, he regenerates, but he's not... He's not in the resurrected, resurrection. Resurrected, so, so how does this happen? he's a mutate, not a mutant. Mm-hmm. And well, then I started to get suspicious because he's a, because he's not taking, you know, he's in this hot tub, but he's not taking his his hood off. So like crazy conspiracy brand Alicia was like, is this not really Deadpool? No, it's him. But then, you know, you got to read the dialogue and you know it's him. Yeah. Talking about his modest recruitment to the team. This is exactly the kind of energy that Deadpool brings to a book. Ridiculous and self-indulgent. And I love it. Yeah. Oh, you know, Wolverine begged me to join. No, Deadpool. We read three or more issues of how infuriated he was by your persistence. And he's not even here, so why would he beg you? Right. He's going through some stuff on his own. And I wonder if we'll see that in his solo title. Maybe. You know, talking about seeing the other side of the story. I feel like that would be a great opportunity to further explore what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Omega Red, fashionably late and razzed by Deadpool. Ben Percy posted today. And he's like, oh, it's got everything. This, that, a fart joke. <laughs> <laughs> One whoopee cushion later and we immediately break into a fight. Oh, uh, it is quite funny. The action, just the use of the tentacles to grab Deadpool by the legs and throw him around. Oh, are we playing? I love to play. These, these two are... The energy that they're both adding to this team. They're both new, right? Yeah. Both on a trial basis, as we find out later. And they're both ridiculous in their respective ways. As we get another Wilhelm scream. Do you know what that is? No. It's like a classic sound effect for a scream that has been used in a lot of... It never actually says Wilhelm scream. That's just the name of that sound effect. That's funny. Yeah. Calmly sit, taking his seat back at the table. All right, are we doing this or what? What's the mission? Beast surveying his quote-unquote team and getting down to business. Chaos reigns. Double dose of data pages. Oh, God, Beast. Yeah. He's just... It's just interesting to read these two data pages back to back and to feel so much like tension in my body when I read <laughs> Beasts and just so much angst for him and yeah. then to read Sages and just feel like this is just information. For sure. I mean, they're both kind of information just glossed in the individual character's perspective. What Beast is valuing is the protection of Krakoa, mm-hmm. the state secrets of that, and, and even what Sage is as well, but she's more focused on how do we make this better? How do we fix this versus... How do we attack and kill? Right. And this is where I was talking about it being very clear that this is still tied into the universe of what's happening in Judgment Day. They're they're so, they're trying to shift the focus. They're trying to find a positive. So I think in the grand timeline of things, this clearly happens before the Hex has begun attacking. I would right? assume, this yeah. is at the start of Judgment Day. This does not fall into, oh, all craziness is breaking loose on the island let me just send these two off on this quiet secret mission yeah the fact that they're all just casually sitting around the table going to the green lagoon you know there are some details that make you think that this while influenced by the events that lead into judgment day this is well before the big thumb giving you 24 hours 
100%. Sage wants to change the conversation on what's happening in Krakoa. She thinks that this mutant trafficking north of Russia could be the thing that puts them in good graces. Which I wonder if at all is loosely tied to the uh, the Mikhail. group from Russia that um, the Marauders rescued that first in the beginning of their arc. Oh, yeah, I bet that that has something to do. It's likely all tied to Mikhail Probably. and his efforts to create the mutant Russia. Because we mm. haven't seen him in a while and he's definitely not dead or disappeared. Nope, he's just plotting in the darkness. Dangling in the background as a plot thread we will hopefully get back to. I mean... It is touched upon in New Mutants. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. In a great way. Yeah. Oh, Angel. Yeah. This whole thing was like, it gave me like f- cringy feelings inside my soul. And I don't want to say that that's a good thing, but, but it is. It is. You yeah. know, like to, to be able to feel a response, a visceral response mm-hmm. to something happening, that means that you're invested in these characters and what's happening to them. And, and this kind of analysis of the problem the fact that these aren't just gatherings of protesters at the gates but a hostage situation as they have angel captured they set a trap for him and the the shears to his wing right though like we are not going to kill him because we know that that's pointless yeah. we're just going to torture him yeah that's just going to put him back into your world and we won't have a mutant to use as bait for you but the solution is sending in the team to take care of this. Because it's so important that Elvis comes back. Sure. Right. And there's Black Tom. Black Tom's more of a U2 fan anyway. so <laughs> I just, Hysterical. I like the reveal. So there's, there's all this chaos going on as Black Tom is like dancing with Krakoa vines and attacking lightly all of these humans gathered at the gate as this person drags Angel away and Domino quickly reveals herself. Oh, yeah, gladly. I'll shoot him. Because then he's dead. He's dead. He can be resurrected. He doesn't have to think about this or remember it at all. Does that go against the kill no mutant? There's no kill no mutant. Oh, you're right. There isn't. No, we can kill each other all day. (laughs) Kill no man. Respect the sacred land. Make more mutants. Yep. That's what it is. On to the other side of the coin. The Russian strike team. Deadpool and Omega Red. They're being sent into this mission as a test for them, but also a distancing of deniability. Those aren't even our guys. What do you mean? Yeah. Very easily said, we didn't authorize this mission. Nope. Which I think is just so rude. Sure. You know. Especially to Omega Red, I'd say. Deadpool is kind of just... (laughs) Beast has expressed his disdain for Deadpool throughout this issue. And he's just like, you know, I'm throwing him into this because he's a murderous weapon and we need murderous weapons. But Omega Red has been manipulated again and again. And yes. this just feels like a furthering of that. And and to say like, hey, man, you know, we know you did some bad stuff. We did some bad stuff. Now that all of that is clear and we've passed that, we really want to give you the second chance. We really want to make you part of our team. Will you give us a second chance? And then the first thing that they do is say, well, we're going to send you on this mission with this guy that none of us can stand. And if it goes wrong, you weren't with us to begin with. Right. And I think that this is all beast, especially, oh, yeah. especially because Sage says you should have gone with them. Right. And I am not. A f- I don't go in the field. No, I'm the big brain. I'm the Charles Xavier of this book. Blech. 
Deadpool is just so ridiculous in this, almost more than he was in Wolverine. Or maybe it's just because Omega Red has no patience for it at all. Well, Omega Red doesn't speak in response. That's no. the thing. It's he, like there was a there was a back and forth to kind of dull some of yeah, yeah. Deadpool's antics. And this is just straight up, I will be silent until I stab you and that's <laughs> it. Well, that's the difference between <laughs> Omega Red and Wolverine. Oh, yeah, 100%. Wolverine is a grumble Gus, but he's still a guy that will talk to you and, and works with Deadpool on occasion. And Deadpool is a guy who does not shut does up. Does not shut up. No. And if you do not respond, he is just going to keep talking. <laughs> this image of him on Omega Red's back holding his ponytail. Oh my God. Tally ho. I knew that's what this ponytail was for. Disarmed. This shot of him stabbed with his own swords in the chest without arms. I don't feel bad for him at this point. No. As he still goes on and on complaining. I'm still here for Deadpool. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I love the energy that he brought to Wolverine. I think that that was amazing. And I'm here for what he's doing here for as long as he's able to do it <laughs> until he's torn up even further by this bear and eaten. Oh, yeah. And it also is really exciting to to see Omega Red in action and just to see him solo and yeah. see how much he can actually accomplish, you know? And to really, at the end of this page, be a hero to these people. Mm -hmm. To have saved these, I'm assuming, Russian mutants from being trafficked into essentially slavery for Russian mutant causes. It's interesting because you think about this and him being a savior sure. to these mutants parallel to Sabretooth, who is being a sa uh, savior to those He's mutants. Forgotten that are, you know, captured by Orcus. So yeah. you have these two people who are always categorized as villains. And we, we've heard throughout all of Krakoa that this is, you know, everyone's fresh start. fresh start. And now we're actually getting to see some of these people who we would never see in this light have that fresh start. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I really do like it. It, it just really underscores the fact that they moved too quickly on Sabretooth. And I think that that was just uh, an idea to seed further. The you fact mean in putting him in the pit? In putting him in the pit mm -hmm. immediately and not, and even in some of the other characters being sent into the pit, they were not working with them in a way to find a use for them. Right. And I'd, I'd say kudos to Kurt in Legion of X for the work that he's doing. He's basically doing what should have been done with Sabretooth and Omega Red to mm -hmm. find their purpose. He is rehabilitating and finding a place for Juggernaut in a way that was not allowed for these two characters. Yeah, that's true. Craven's next hunt. What an entrance. Oh my God, that outfit. Imagine you're in a bar talking about mutants and a bear literally walks in. This, this shadowy image. He comes in. Oh man, I love it. Oh, wait, that's not a bear. It's just a crazy man wearing the skin of a bear. He's just wearing a bear outfit. That's probably even more terrifying. Yes. You know these people know of this bear. Right. They live in this area. They've seen this bear. They fear this bear. Now they fear this man. Look at this Look at this waitress. Just. I'm just going to pour this sideways and not make eye contact and just walk away. Not interested at all. The bag of Deadpool parts at his feet. Mm-hmm. Over here is what they're saying apex predator kind of a deliberate setup of language here but i'm with it i'm here yeah. oh what did you say he's a so new predator he's so intent peering through the bear head and it, it makes me think so the i've seen the cover for the next issue mm -hmm. and it's him wearing beast in the same way 
I love that. <laughs> I know you do. I think we talked about oh. it when it, was, when it was first revealed. You can see a little bit of it in that last page. Oh, my God. As the hunt is on. <laughs> you rooting for Craven now? Yes. Big picture. Team Craven. Big picture. What'd you think? I loved it. I loved it. I think it was a very, 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 very loose Judgment Day tie-in. Yeah. In that, like, we're shifting focus. But I needed this in my reading. I wanted, I wanted some other story that I could understand how it fits into the overall arc of what's happening with Judgment Day, but also be something else to keep me, to keep the characters fresh, to keep yeah. my interest peaked. So yeah. I thought it was great and I really like seeing, you know, I love Deadpool, but I like seeing the Omega Red story especially and seeing where he's going with that. And I think it's cool that we're introducing Craven now. We're getting this other villain, this other perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was really good. It had very little to do with Judgment Day, but I wasn't opposed to that. I'm interested in if Craven's story will tie into the event later on. And that's why it's here. Maybe this mm. arc is setting up into another perspective of because I've seen some preview art and it seems like he's going after resurrection. Like he's in Arbor Magna in some preview art. Oh, interesting. A couple of moves for the characters involved. You have Wolverine's Omega, Kid Omega focus, our new recruits joining the team. I'm a fan of Craven being here and furthering the intertwined story with Spider-Man. Yeah. I wondered if Wolverine isn't here because he's off with Spider-Man following Moira Jane after the Hellfire Gala. Oh, maybe. And so he's kind of got two potential threads of where he could be going. But he's Wolverine. He can be in many stories at many times. Uh, he's a loner, but he's never alone. <laughs> he's got too many friends for a loner. All right. You can only bring one new member onto the team. Deadpool or Omega Red. Who is it? Deadpool. <laughs> I knew it. No, I... I think I'd love Deadpool, but I think I'd honestly choose Omega Red. Just because what he brings. Yeah, and I want to see... That redemption. I want to see that arc. Yeah. Ooh, good answer. <laughs> what would you do if someone walked into your bar or restaurant wearing the deadliest animal skin around? Just just turn my body away from them and just quietly sit by myself and not make draw attention to me and maybe subtly excuse myself. Yeah, yeah. Right. But not like run out because then I'm saying flat out, I'm ter I'm terrified of you. But, you know, yeah. just kind of keep to myself. Don't cause any distractions. Warline Comics, I mentioned earlier, wants to let Ben Percy and us all know that the OG Craven died and that he's writing his son clone. And I'm not sure that that changes or what the I'm not sure what that changes. You know, especially if he's a clone, I, I don't know the story. Mm. So is he still with all the motivations and backstory memories and history? Like, how does that necessarily change who he is as a character? Yeah. Is he still going by Craven? Yeah. I mean, he says Craven. He calls himself Craven. Right. But that could be an error. I think what Warline's saying. I see. Eric Huffman is thinking what we all are. Again, was this a Judgment Day tie-in? You know, Eric, you make some really good <laughs> points. I think we found the bare minimum connection points. The bare minimum. He also wants to know how long X-Men Red will tie into Judgment Day. And issues six and seven are listed as Judgment Day tie-ins. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because we got to get to our Magneto. So. Yeah, that's, that's, I feel like, a core 
story to Judgment Day. Yes. This feels like maybe hopefully in the next part or two we'll get how this ties in. It'll in the bigger get picture. there eventually. You hope so. This is like I said, this is at the top of the timeline. This is like straight up after the Hellfire Gala. Resurrection has just been revealed. There, it, It's hot news right now. You know, it's maybe, it's maybe right before Druig makes his speech to everybody, right as the protests are beginning. You know, it's it's in that area of the story. Yeah. It just happened to come out later. But as you point out so lovingly to me so frequently, comic time means nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think of Legion of X number six is going to tie in and I believe will connect to Legion's story against Uranus. Right. So that's so, going to be at a different time as well. So, you know, give them Shifting a break. timelines, paper shortages, nonsense everywhere. On to X-Men 13. Yes, let's do it. The side-by-side similarities on these covers. Mm. The two teams. It's really cool bringing them together in terms of their roles and importance as leaders here. Yeah, that's a good point. We also had a trading card variant of Iceman. Ooh, did you get it? Of course. I'm subscribed to the trading card variant. I get them all. I get them all. And it almost makes me think, like, do I need the A cover? Like, do I just get the trading card? But I like not reading the trading card and just keeping that all nice and neat. And does the trading card one say Judgment Day on the top like this? Nope. Yeah, so you need these. Need it. Need it, I guess. You need it. All right. Let's dig in. Page turn noise. We'll be judged regardless of our actions. So let us be exactly who we are in our hearts. Jean Grey. Ooh, what a quote, Jean. Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey. Immediate action. This issue is all out action, which I'm action, here for. Action, action, Especially an event that's really setting it into the main series and exploring in the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. We, we want to see that action played out. I'm very happy to see this new team immediately got over the fact that I wanted more from the first lineup or I wanted other characters on this team just because of how much I enjoyed seeing this team rock out. Yeah, they they do play off of each other really well for the most part. <laughs> yeah, there are some people that are not team players. Jean flexing her powers throughout. The fact that she's linking them up telepathically, carrying Scott telekinetically and attacking Theka the Harpiscus. Starting to learn their names. Good. I knew you would. I won't. Sure. <laughs> I like the moment from, so they're, they're flying underneath Theka as Magic's like, I don't want to figure out that we can't resurrect the island the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> it was what we've been talking about That's the question weeks. on everybody's mind, Magic. Um, Forge, what's going on? He doesn't need to get up because he has a giant gun. And he's doing so. I mean, people are dying. Sure. Fighting for their lives. Okay. He's sunbathing. But he's drinking still a fruity doing drink. it. Yeah. He's still putting together and arguably making some of the biggest impact from the sidelines. It's interesting, right? Because you're like, okay, Forge, you are kind of being real chill here, but you are also attacking this thing in a way that does not kill it. Right. It just takes it down, right. which is very smart. It's like he knew what he, we find out later on right. beforehand. Right. We're getting a little liberal with how metal Forge is, Mm. Uh, unless I'm missing something, but he has a metal hand and a section of his upper thigh is supposed to be metal historically, but his full 
right leg and full right arm are metal in this image. Well, you know, he's been making adjustments. I guess. And uh, he also isn't thrilled to be on the team. So at least he's doing something, right? I feel like that's what's playing through is that he is the reluctant team member. He is the character who is seated with reluctance, whereas Firestar is the character who is being reluctantly written into the story. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on Firestar. We'll get there in a moment. His strategy is awesome, though. It has its limitations. You only got one magic bullet, but he's coating the Eternal with nanites to make her solid as a rock. One and done. Back to the melon drink. <laughs> Gotta work on getting some more of these uh, bullets made, though. We get the first sight of Sink and Iceman teaming up throughout the whole issue. Best friends. Again, another flex of telepathic power from the mutants gene able to bring icarus into her mind from great distance well i do love that he says i forgot how strong you are gene yeah well it's just it's constantly attributed to the mutant's strength and telepathy talking strategy wanting to take down the hex but there are problems uranus he's got crazy armies see x-men red number five <laughs> also just seeing him surrounded by all these robots is kind of intimidating yeah and uh, side note, you can't get here. Maybe I can help with that. <laughs> I'll figure out a way for you to get here. But you can't get here. Well, one stipulation in that, kill no Eternals. <laughs> okay, but they're literally destroying our home. Right, like we'll try. No, if you do it, I'm not going to help you. And I, I just, I love the interesting point of that. He's saying that not because of the preservation... Not because of the preservation of his people, but because of the effect that it has on humans and how deeply he's affected by that. Right. But Jean doesn't know that. Right. Nobody so else does. So it can come across like to her probably exactly. a little bit fishy. Like, right. okay, well, we'll try. Like, but I, Are you not on our side? Right. Are you on Why Julie's don't you side? want us to kill them if, if they're going to kill us? I'm sorry. Do you want us to die? <laughs> well, we're on the title page and we've got an axe to grind. Resurrection Blues. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by C.F. Villa. Color art by Matt Miller. Letters Clayton Coles. V.C.'s Clayton Coles. The Villa and the Miller. <laughs> Digging in. Let's go. Oh, the team battle. Oh, can we talk about the art, though? Let's yeah, talk about the art. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's so beautiful. We got a question. The colors. We got a question later on about how the art is in the new X-Men title that the uh, I think it was BCMG2 was missing Pepe. Mm. And I would totally agree. Loved Pepe and what he was bringing. But CF Villa was doing some great work in a handful of issues in the first year of X-Men. And I really do like their art. I do too. I think the action that they do is intense. Yes. Yes. There is one continuity hiccup. Uh, hang back with the Avengers while the team goes on the Eternals mission. Um, editors, <laughs> the Avengers already left. They're gone. They're gone. They're saving these people. Well, again, though, we don't know. Like, this when battle happened, right. happened. There was so much going on. Maybe the Avengers haven't left yet. I don't know. I just feel like what we've seen on the ground, right? We saw the Captain America Cyclops conversation mm -hmm. before he really went out into the field with Gene. Right. So it's, it's uh, inconclusive. Sure, 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 sure. Time to ice up to their level oh yeah Iceman coming at Reka Centaurus look at you go I got them written down <laughs> <laughs> 
great team synergy in this plan as they're all traveling in the hand. Just the way that they're talking about what they're going to do. I just love their excitement to be working together and bouncing off of each other. And then, you know, how how they're bouncing these ideas. And then just like the pure, like almost evil joy and magic <laughs> face. face. It almost took me aback a little bit just seeing her face like that. But she is so excited. She is ready. That's the thing is, that's what I like so much about magic is she's not like evil. No. But she's she, got a little demon she, in her. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A little goblin, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she just, she thrives on this sense of victory and valor and fighting. And, and also, I feel like to be in an instance where you're getting to fight on a team when for so long you had to fight by yourself, like that's sure. invigorating, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So they heard from Icarus, Jean got the note from Icarus that the closest entryway point is a deep dive into the water. So they are trying to get as close to where the Eternal City is without any help. So they know Icarus is working on this, but they're diving down deep with Iceman securing them in this ball. Until he's cut in half. Yeah, until... Tetrana splits Iceman in half. Look at you and those names. Tetrana. Is that the one that's, that looks like a octopus pterodactyl? Yep, that's the one that we saw in Death to the Mutants. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> well, first, before I know exactly what you're saying, but Sync with the icy assist helping out, like knowing where he... And I feel like Sync was, in addition to Gina Scott, the, the people that carried through they had the biggest focus in year one yes they had the biggest amount of development for their individual characters and their impact on this as a team agreed and they seem to be the core where you know and and we'll talk about as we go i thought sync was kind of positioned to be a next generation leader i still think he is but magic's coming for it too i think the thing that Okay, so now I can talk about Firestar, right? Yes. Okay, so the thing, first of all, first and foremost, Firestar, if the Avengers have submarines and you want to go on a submarine, then go back to the Avengers. Get out of my X-Men. I'm done with you. Goodbye. This is a very short fuse for Firestar. Like literally the first thing that I read of Firestar, she says, well, the Avengers have submarines. Why don't the X-Men? Okay, then get out. But, but if you look at the team as a whole, right? Gene, Scott, Sink. Just what you were saying. They were the like pretty heavily featured in the last iteration of the team. They seem to be very much leaders and very strong. But then you look at Iceman, who's come into his Omega level self and is really like finding his groove and is very powerful and and strong and motivated. Yeah. You have Magic, who's killing it on top of her game right War now. Captain. You have Forge, who's the he he's a key player too. Right. He's just the reluctant nerd on the sidelines. Right. So you have all these super strong like I would look at them all and I would go, yeah, there's a little bit of a hierarchy, but overall that much of the team feels very equal in being powerhouses. And then there's Firestar. And there's also Havoc, which you've completely forgotten right, about. Because <laughs> how can you remember Havoc when all he wants to do is go to the bar? You're he's, right. He's there's done Havoc. literally nothing in this issue. Sorry, Havoc. I totally forgot. I mean, Firestar gets <laughs> ragged on because she complains entirely too much in this issue. But Havoc, you've done nothing but thrown a little bit of plasma and then wanted to go to the bar. Oh, shoot. You're right. I totally forgot about Havoc. And in the hierarchy, I feel like that's where he's at. The mm-hmm. fact that he was the most 
recommended to be replaced in our poll. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Havoc. All right. So Havoc and Firestar could use a little oomphing up, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to yeah. make them feel because they just don't feel like, you know, it kind of feels like those two are not in the starting lineup and there's two other players who are injured in their they're sort of just filling in. Yeah, sure. I mean, I will also say this is the first issue. Right. Right. So you're coming in with characters that Jerry has stewarded. The four that are you're putting at the top. The three from year one and Iceman, mm-hmm. who he was working on and developing through Marauders. Right. Like These are people that he's worked with, knows, actually picked for his team. Correct. You know, uh, <laughs> and I feel like Forge is there for an interesting plot point story with yeah. Xavier. And I don't know why Havoc's there yet. And cool gadgets. Yeah, cool gadgets. And and he's killing that. Every team needs cool gadgets. It's true. Firestar, he has expressed previously that he did not want her to be on the team. I think then, knowing that, which you had mentioned that to me before, knowing that makes me like that I dislike her so much. It feels like Jerry's on my side. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, oh, okay, well, you're going to make me have her on the team. I'm just going to make everybody hate her. <laughs> like, just... We're not here for it. Let's all express that together. Yeah. I mean, I, I do hope that he has something planned or something to do. Yes. But I'm at sure the same there's going to be something. But at the same time, it, it's a big roster. Right. It's not that big. But you're not going to get as much depth with each character as you can. You know, Rogue had a very sideline story up yeah. until the end where she had this intrigue with destiny and, and what could happen f- further. Right. And even that wasn't very developed. So. No, it was only... Like a plot point like a established. A little seed. All right, anyway, back to the story at hand. Back to the story as we cut in with that shot from Death to the Mutants. Icarus saying that he's cleared the way. And I'm glad that I read it in that outlined order. I, I mentioned before, I had seen some people that read it the opposite way. Mm. And they completely hated Death to the Mutants because of that. And it right. seemed like, you know... You tolerated Death to the Mutants. Uh, yeah, and I read it first. Yeah. And I still tolerated it. I think it definitely has to do with... Eternals. Eternals and also just the pacing. Like, this is telling a, a similar... Right? This is a different side of the same story, but this feels exciting where that felt... Well, that was all action. The other side, the other right. side was like planning right. and subterfuge. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> it's time to teleport. Yeah, I just... I love the synergy that we're already getting off the charts. Sync is playing in every different way that he can. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's synced with Jean to be able to see into her mind what Icarus is connected to her with. So that's where he gets this image of where Icarus just was. And I wonder if in this arc of X-Men, are we going to start to see the effects of Sync's powers like taking a toll on his body because I don't know how close he is to Gene. Yeah. Right. He's, and there's that whole conversation about sure. the the further away someone is, the more he's relying on muscle memory, the more he's deteriorating. And I, for the fact that Gene is not necessarily with him, and Gene is also reaching so far to get to Icarus's mind. Right. The fact that that was introduced as a point in the Hellfire Gala, I would be surprised if it's not explored right. in this year of issues. Like that That's the nugget that Sync is carrying through in addition to everything else that he's got going on mm-hmm. with him. I love this image. And I, I recognize that it's also kind of a drop-in shot. Yeah, but it's okay. You like what you like. I do. 
And I do love it too. I'm just so excited about magic. Yeah. I'm so excited. She's at the top tier of my character list. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people were kind of reluctant to have her on this team because of how well served she's been on New Mutants. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that was a great arc that brought so much to her character to now let her do some more cool stuff. Yeah, and I've I've liked the relationship that's been building between her and Cyclops yeah. over the last like few months. Yeah. So to be able to explore that more and her whole arc in New Mutants is about her wanting to leave that past behind and find something new. Yeah. So now we're getting that. Yeah, to be this war captain. Because if you look at this, she is the field commander. Right. And and she should, you know, when, when the two captains of the team are off doing other things, she is the next in line, as she should be. Mm-hmm. See, I like this shot. This shot is also very great. Just this tearing through everyone in action poses. There's Havoc. He's doing something. That's the one bit of plasma that I called him out for. <laughs> That's literally the only thing that he does in this issue. Amongst all of that action, Forge is nerding out on how it all works. <laughs> I love Forge. I do too. He cracks me up. What does he say? That we didn't get to it yet. No, the peyote thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brainy, speed it up. We got something to do. Uh, just sh Magic is just... And I feel like, so to the point that we were just talking about, she is doing something different. You know, she's leading a team of her elders, essentially. Yeah. You know, these are mutants that have been around for much longer, regardless of how much growth that she's gone. And especially I'd assume well, it's kind of it's odd timeline, right? Probably this happens after the labors of magic, but mm -hmm. costume wise, it doesn't, you know? Right. So... And, and just confidence and, and clarity-wise, I feel like she has to be on the other side of that journey. Yeah. We just couldn't Debut the costume. show you that yet because we haven't revealed her new costume yet. Right. Get ready for Team Omega. I'm a big fan of Iceman. Mm -hmm. And Sync has just been killing it left and right. Yeah. And to see I them- I like the way they- Yeah. They, they just seem to play off each other really well. This is the Iceman Pyro yeah. team up from Marauders. You know, this is like, oh, yeah, we can be friends. This is like next level buddy comedy. And it's cool because so Iceman's testing his limits, right? He's testing what else he can do. And now he literally has someone else that can do that with him. Right. And show him what else he can do. Yeah. It's very exciting. has happened previously, but to happen in real time is great. And the fact that Iceman basically just saves Sink's arm here, right? Right, right. If he didn't have. Oh, when, when it got chopped off? Yeah. Iceman didn't do it, but right, Iceman's but, powers. Right, right yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. The, I just, I love the ice slides. The ice slides have always been a favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not forgetting Cecilia's notes about witnessing a newly developing Omega level mutant. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's been data pages for a little while now of seeing the changes that Sync's been going through. He has no interest in being a, on Nimrod's hit list. No. I love this banter back and forth as they're on the slides, you know. Well, speaking from the top of Nimrod's kill list, there's no upper limit to how bummed out I am now. <laughs> Omega jokes. Cut back to Scott and Jean. Fabe Reginax getting dunked on. I really love the the effort you see in Jean's face in this image. The like strain. the beads of sweat, the like 
She's killing it. Yeah. But it's not easy to balance all of that. She's doing and so she's much. She's doing so much. And Scott's over here making date night jokes. I mean, I I did love that because you then remember the fact that they are a married couple working together. And it's just, it's endearing. I, I also like how she tells him to shut up. Like, mm-hmm. That That's a great insight into their banter and their relationship. They're like, hey, be serious. I'm doing so many things right now. Shoot some stuff, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I just feel like I relate to it too hard. <laughs> uh, I really like Sia Villa's art. I remember. I really do too. Seeing that here, and I think combined with the colors, yeah. right? That that conversation we've been having about how the colorists do such a good job of changing the tone of a scene so that you know very clearly that we're in a different place, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You could look at these two pages side by side and think this could be the same battle, right? Sure. But you see the tones change and you know we're in a different place. Magic's team needs a little bit more time. Firestar's cover. It's just like talking, taking orders from Captain America. We get it, Firestar. Yeah. All right. We, we understand. get it. Just do it. Just do what you're asked. Right. Are you upset that Magic's giving you orders? Or? Yeah, because you weren't doing it anyway. You're just throwing fire, which rightfully so. That's good. But she is strategy. Well, I am seeing her old soul sword here. So I think that, that confirms that this may be before the layer of, right. layers of Magic. Right. It's, it's hard to pin down when you have... Well, also Limbo, right? Right, the fact that they travel they through Limbo. Be, she could finish this mission and then have it could be like, let's go to the bar. And then she's like, nah, I'm going to go to Limbo instead and do a whole thing. And time passes differently. three minutes. Yeah. Ice, Ice Eternals <laughs> really pushing it to the limits here. The dynamic duo, Sink and Iceman are able to cover this entire machine, stopping its powers. But they got to get out of there quick. Haven't generated this much ice since we terraformed Mars. Don't let Magneto hear you use that name. I loved that. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and the fury in Magic's face. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I can't get enough. No. I'm so excited for a year of this. Yeah. I hope she stays on the team for longer. I do too. I feel like there are very few. Like You could get rid of Havoc, obviously. Bring me Danny Moonstar. Bring me Danny Moonstar and bring me Monet. Mm-hmm. Forge. Okay. So since the thing isn't working, like, do we just take some can, of it? We can or? take some of this stuff, right? Yeah. Get, grab your trinkets and let's get out of here. We don't have time for this. Take what you want and let's go. On to Limbo and then to Krakoa. Right. Because, okay. In this, it, this has to be before. Right. Because she can't. Because she doesn't go through Limbo anymore. Right. <laughs> I just also love the disgust in her face. Yeah. Are you kidding? I just said maybe the five are dead and you want to go to the bar? And and he just, the fact that he doubles down on it, you know, well, if they're dead, we could raise a toast. I just feel like that's a deeper, that's saying something deeper about Havoc. Like sure. He's, it, he's literally so unhappy he just needs to go have a drink. And sure. that's really sad when you think about it. I get it, yeah. I'm here to watch him get crap all year, though. I kind of, I kind of secretly hope that I, he gets to a point where I don't forget about him on the team roster. <laughs> uh, he still tries to make it work though, and then we get our celestial message. <laughs> Brings us up to where we were at the end of Judgment Day Two. Your point about how the time passes has some play here. Mm-hmm. 
the trial of the X-Men. But first, uh, bummer, I was hoping that this was a peyote flashback. <laughs> oh, Forge. And then the icing on the cake of my Firestar annoyance. Yeah. A letter from a parent. Yep. That's just, if you weren't annoyed at first by her, her dad wrote a stern email to your favorite character. Is Bart? Yeah, I guess Bart is a... She re- he refers to himself as her father. Okay. Bartholomew. Yeah. Just come on. Come on, Firestar. You couldn't have told your dad not to send that email. Maybe they don't talk about it. <laughs> Judge, jury, and executioner. Big picture. I thought this issue was great. I thought it was a great X-Men issue and gave me more of the Judgment Day story. Yeah. It did a really good job of making me feel like I was just getting a good quality X-Men comic while still furthering the overarching story. Yeah, and I feel like, so when we were talking about Immortal mm-hmm. and you wanted more of the right. battle. and you were like, you're going to get it in X-Men. And it, it here it is, right? Yeah. And not only the battle, but the dynamics between the characters, the way that they're yeah. starting to work together as a team only in their first mission together. Yeah, the team dynamics are so great. And I think what m- helps make that so great is that so many of them have been on teams before. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. And they've all been really strong members of those teams. Well, most of them have been really strong members of those teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep on saying it, but you know, this this really punctuates what I was saying before the the cadence of judgment day the fact that we get the broad stroke and then we play in the details and right we get well to see if the all the details are like this and or like x-men red, x-men red yeah. that's great death to the mutants i just wasn't i just didn't feel invested i didn't feel excited i didn't feel stakes sure and so i wasn't as interested i wonder seeing especially as cyclops is on the cover of issue two i wonder if that gets a little bit more embedded into and and less solely focused on the Eternals. Yeah, and I think that's a that's totally what it is. It's that I don't know that much about the Eternals. The Eternals. I'm not super invested in their story arc, so yeah. it's not as exciting. I know the answer to this, but who is standing out as your favorite on this team lineup? Magic. Magic, right. Magic, magic, magic. Remspringer coming out swinging. We get it, Angelica. You were an Avenger. Yeah, right? Warline is on a similar boat, saying that Duggan's writing shows that he doesn't want to write Firestar, and that's not a good sign. I I agree. I mean, I do agree. I see or I do see where you're coming from with that, right? Like if if there's an aversion to a character, then you're not necessarily giving that character a fair chance to develop. Right. But I do think that there has it, maybe this is like a let me get it out let me get my feelings out let's all gripe about this and then eventually it'll yeah work itself out bmcg2 wants to know how the art was in x-men he's going to miss pepe this is what we were talking about before and i'll miss him too but i'm here for the rotating group that they have lined up oh my god yes i loved this art and i love joshua casara so right. which we'll get in the next full arc i can't wait lv Duart is here for all the respect that the Eternals have given mutant telepathy. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we we're talking about that throughout the issues. The fact that they continuously comment on how strong they are as telepaths. Yeah, that's really cool. Eric Hoffman said that the new X-Men team was firing on all cylinders. Magic was really taking charge and everyone was highlighted. Mm-hmm. But he's feeling like Forge was a little too pompous for his liking. 
you know, kind of like this. And I think that that plays into his reluctance, mm. you know? Yeah, I, I don't think pompous is how I would describe it. I feel like it's a little bit more reluctant. Is that the word you just used? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a good... And I also wonder how his mutant powers affect his mentality. Mm. You think about, and we talked about this a lot in the trial of Quicksilver, how fast his mind moves mm. and how that, that affects his interactions with other people. So if you are someone who can literally figure out any problem and you're standing around people that can't, right? are you bored with the fact that they're trying to do different ways versus you're trying to just do what you can do? Right, and if you also think about Forge solely in the Krakoan era and even before that, like when... Xavier came to him before to start Krakoa like Ford was living on his own he's generally been on his own in his little secret place whatever it's called as of late yeah. he's been just kind of like doing his own thing at his own pace sure. not at the beck and call of somebody else like right. Xavier's like Forge I want you to work on this and he's like alright I'll work on it and I'll get it to you when I get it to you right. so that's sort of like the pace in, in just, which he's living right now just let me work on my whiskey right and also, like, you know, like with Cyclops and, and saying that in his giant gun in the beginning of this, he's yep. like, yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm doing my thing. Like, this is how I work right now. I'm pulling my weight. I'm just doing it in a different way than the rest of you. Only part one of the week. Did you, yeah, did only your feelings, part one. Did your feelings change in any way in Death to the Mutants? No. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. I didn't write it. It's... It's not a bad issue. Yeah, it's just There's servicing a different team than you care about. Yeah. Right. You're not, it's not the home team. Right. right. You're reading an adventure with someone else. Right. So we have part two that we'll do at some point in the next few days. Mm -hmm. And that includes X-Men Unlimited, which we didn't talk about. Nope. But also the print version of X-Men Green, briefly. Briefly. X-Men 92, House of 92. And the end of the New Mutants arc. Ooh. The hype of the week. That golden ticket. Do you want to hear what's coming next week? Or do you sure, want to say yeah. that? Sure, yeah. Tell me. Because I'll, I'll forget and you'll have to tell me again. Sure. Wolverine patch number five. Oh. The last the issue. The last one. Marauders number five. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I am very... I'm very bitter about Marauders. I know. And I hope it changes. I genuinely, I, I hope it changes. Cause because I, I like like the X-Men Unlimited stuff that Steve Orlando is writing. Like, I like it. Yeah, it's not yeah. his writing. I don't like it. It's just the story I'm not into. Yeah. It's funny just because we were talking about trade paperback mm -hmm. last episode and Marauders was and has been the highlight. I had bought that for my brother mm -hmm. for his birthday and for Christmas the different volumes and he loves that and yeah so he's gonna be in my shoes soon enough i told him i told him that well not soon enough he's, he's moving at a snail's pace compared to us but yeah that's true yeah so he's got some good years left. yeah and judgment day number three. Oh snap which i feel like is that's soon just, that's how many judgment day issues are there six interesting interesting there's six but then there's an omega at the end Right. And then Spider-Man number eight getting closer and closer to his tie-in with Wolverine. I really like Spider-Man number seven. Good. I'm glad you're getting back into that Spidey man. You'll read. <laughs> You'll read when he comes into the tie-in. That was almost threatening. It was threatening. <laughs> you're going to read Spider-Man and you're going to like it. 
All right. I You're going like... to root for him more than you did for the Eternals, okay? Yes, 100%. I love Spider-Man. Good. Because I am indifferent to the Eternals. I only read it because I heard it was good and I wanted to have the context going in. I love Spider-Man. You know, if Venom is around, I'll take him too. I did not pick up Miss Marvel and Moon Knight. That did oh, come out this you week. didn't? I already had entirely too many books this week. And it'll come out on Marvel Unlimited eventually. Eventually. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles has his mind free to do mind things. Thanks so much for joining us today on the X-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The X-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 